This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, and welcome to another exciting edition of Bearded B-Roll. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike, just two bearded dudes here to chat about all the movies you love, hate, don't mind, or simply never heard of. I hit the button. Is it recording? I just said it was recording. All right, let's give 54 minutes of silence. Welcome back to another Freaky Fridays with Bearded B-Roll. Today we're talking about the special. Yeah, we have a real special episode for you guys today. Um, Mike, what's the special? Chicken Cordon Bleu. Is that the name of the movie? The movie is called The Special. <laughs> oh. It's like a who's on first conversation. I know. Well, I tried to bring it back since we missed the great conversation that I had where I actually was confused about what the name of the movie was <laughs> while trying to figure out what I was supposed to watch this week. Oh, cool. We're doing a special movie this week. I can't wait till he tells me what the title is. Well, no, I thought you were just referring to it because we do, you know, we do the uh, what have you seen lately? We do the top 10. And then we have a special, which is the movie that we've watched. And I was just like, that's what we're calling it now? <laughs> <laughs> Freaky Fridays is now the special. We could have also called this one, What Have You F***ed Lately? It's my dick in a box. So, the special. Did you have any idea what you were getting into when you first started watching this movie? No, and I feel like, like there's so many movies. You're always like, what is the movie where someone's putting something in them or they're putting themselves into not normal items? You're going to fucking love next week. But let's get back is to the special. Is it both? <laughs> I don't want to say anything because if you haven't seen it, it's going to blow your mind. You're going to be like, I've been wasting my entire life. This movie came out in 1988 and I've never seen this. But okay. <laughs> back on topic. Right now we're talking about the special. What did you know going in? Because when I watched this movie, I watched it for the first time. A couple months ago, and I was like, oh, this is on Prime. It's free. Wonder what this is about. No idea what I was getting into. At this point, I, I refuse to read the anything or watch anything about them before I watch them. Uh, make sure you don't read, don't read anything for next week either, because you're going to want to go into that one dry. Okay, so this one, the plot is really like paper thin on this movie. Like there's really, at the end of the day, not a whole lot of plot. Not a lot of character development, if any it's at all. It's basically Requiem for a Dream if Requiem for a Dream tried to be less artsy and instead of heroin, it was putting your dick and stuff. Well, let's also not forget the fact that like the acting in Requiem for a Dream was like significantly better. There's nobody in this movie that compares to Ellen Bernstein. Um, but you know, the plot is pretty thin. It's a concept movie, and the concept is kind of fucked, quite literally. Um, and figuratively, I guess. But honestly, this movie is exactly a metaphor for drugs. The more that I think about it, up to the very beginning, when his friend is like, nah, you got to try this. This is exactly like, I don't know why they wrapped it in the package they put, but this is 100% just a movie about heroin. I was trying to explain this yesterday and I framed it like that. I said, this movie does for box fucking 
what Reefer Madness did for marijuana. No, there's no musical. Unless you're talking about the original one. Of course I'm talking about the original one. Who cares about that one? That was written by a racist. Yeah, but that one is so over the top. It's a cultural, like, I don't want to say linchpin, but it's definitely one of those movies everybody has to watch just for that, like, what the fuck moment. Yeah, but Nev Campbell is in the musical version. So this movie opens up with Jerry and his friend. What was his friend's name? Mike. Was it Mike? Yeah, I really latched onto that. I wonder why. <laughs> so we've got uh, Jerry and Mike, and Mike was played by the guy who played Deputy Doofus in Scary Movie. Don't care. This is, nah, this is Mike. But like, there's really nobody from this movie that you can point to and be like, oh, that's that person from this movie, except that guy. Everybody else is pretty much unknown. And it sure. opens up with Jerry and Mike at the bar after work, talking about how Jerry, for some reason, that's not entirely explained to like maybe 75% of the way through the movie, thinks that his wife is cheating on him. So actually, in this part, I was under, like, in the beginning for like a while, I was under the assumption that he 100% knew. Like his wife told him and they were working it out because the conversation they're having implies that. But like when in actuality, <laughs> it's not even that at all. She's texting some guy. <laughs> his like automatic go to was, oh, oh, it's over. She's cheating on me. And it's actually even more silly when you get to that point because they don't reveal that till well after he's already. At you his, spent like, half the movie like this is like understood. Like she's cheated on him. He's going to get revenge. But like it's. I don't know. They set it up like it was like fact. <laughs> yeah. And his friend, Mike, let's point out his like quote from the movie. The best revenge is revenge. Yeah. It sounds like something you would say. But the uh, let's also point out that during the opening credit, cre- opening credits, opening opening credits? <laughs> during the opening credits, it's basically like woodshop class. There's like a. Oh, yeah. They're making the box. Exactly. And I like to think of this movie as a companion piece to Butt Boy, but like we're not there yet. So (laughs) I always, like I said, I always watch things with the closed captions on. And like, there were so many times during this movie where the closed captions said things like soft, anxious violin guitar music. Yes. Yeah. The soundtrack was actually really funny because it had like a full drama movie, like orchestral soundtrack for something that might as well have been like techno music or like a guitar. There was definitely a scene where it was like soft violin or soft, sad violin music. And I was like, I don't even hear it. How quiet is the music in the background? Like, (laughs) I'm aware because you told me it's there. So his friend says, yeah, you know what? I think her name was Lisa, right? Which is kind of funny because the guy in the movie, I think this movie was actually influenced by The Room to some extent. I know I talk about The Room a lot, but in that one, the guy's convinced that his girlfriend's cheating on him at some point. Sorry, his fiance, but he doesn't call her a fiance. He calls her his future wife the entire time. The word fiance never comes up. But um, her name's Lisa, because there's a great scene where he imitates James Dean and yells, Lisa, you're tearing me apart. But I don't think she's actually cheating on him anyway, but he keeps thinking that she is. So that seems like a tie in here, because this movie is also kind of a trash heap like The Room, but in a good way. Yeah, like a lot of shit just happens. Yeah, like, but the fact that there's like no real like logical impetus to anything is kind of what makes it so funny. Like the fact that like she isn't actually cheating on him and that evidence he has is like, you know, tissue paper thin, but... I have, like, a part that I want to talk to, but we'd, I'd have to jump, like, three quarters of the way through the movie to get there. Well, make a mental note. We'll get there. So, his friend's like, yeah, man, that's fucked up. Let's go to this place. I know a place where you can cheat on her, too. Because, like I said, the best revenge is revenge. And he brings this guy to a psychic's house, but he blindfolds him. He makes him put, like, a plastic bag psychic, on his head. Psychic, massage, parlor, brothel, something? Yeah, the plastic bag part, really, was like, he's trying to kill you, bro. I would never trust my friends anymore. 
And he <laughs> he brings him to this place, and it's Madame Zora's psychic place. And he goes in, and there's like a bunch of like depressed, I guess, Eastern European women sitting around, none of whom are like particularly attractive. And one of them, I can't remember her name, but he's like, "Are you are you the special sin?" Sin, yeah. He's like, "Are you the special?" And the friend's like, "No, no, that's not the special. You're gonna enjoy the special." But like, he also can we just take a point to talk about like the whole fact that he blindfolds the friend in the first place because he's like you're gonna try the special and you're gonna always want to go back there so i can't i can't even let you see where it is but like presumably the friend has tried the special the friend did he talked about it he doesn't become obsessed with fucking this box yeah he says one time is enough he did it one time and one time is enough yeah and madame zora is like oh he has the eyes he's what it wants he can never come back here you know what that sounds like is like a friend that's tried heroin and was like oh it was a good time like i don't want to do it again but you should try it and then and then you get addicted it totally happens in that circle i was just confused about like why what about this guy screamed he's gonna not want to stop fucking this box even the even the psychic lady said it so well i mean she's psychic you should expect her to say it if anybody it's just the weirdest thing it's a psychic brothel but like the magic fuck box (laughs) so he goes in, they bring him in the room to see the special. And I don't know why there's even a fucking bed in this room, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Do you want to explain this process? All right. So he goes into the room and he's like sitting there trying to figure out what the special is. And then he sees the box on the table with the insert here. Or what does it say? It says, stick it in here. And he just like makes a joke. He's like, haha, dick in a box. And then fucks it. Like, that is the last thing I would do. Like, I think he tries to look in or whatever, but he doesn't really. And then he just. Well, he tries to look in. Doesn't he stick a finger in there, too? Not, not really. I think he, like, smells it. Like, he doesn't really touch it until, like, later. Oh, right, but, right, like, right. 100% if I went to, like, a place like that, like a brothel, like a sex cove, whatever, uh, psychic hookup joint, I would never put my dick in a universally used sex toy. How often do they wash that? If you're going to go to a brothel, you should at least sleep with a living being. If I want to fuck something weird, I'll go home and make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's fine. I know that at one point in America, someone tried to create a robot blowjob cafe, and one of the reasons that got it shut down was they were bad at cleaning them. So, like... Why would you put your dick in this? It's padlock. Like, I guess that means they can get in to clean it, but like, probably don't. Yeah. I don't think putting your dick in a mystery. I wouldn't even want to put my finger in the mystery box. Especially because he like smells it and he's like, ah, oh, that smells bad. Like, yeah. Which smell comes up a few times in this movie. But he fucks it anyway. <sighs> so he fucks it anyway. And his friend is like downstairs in bed with all of these like depressing looking sex workers. Um, and the friend's upstairs, like screaming his head off, and he's like, "He found the special." Okay, that's the closest to Butt Boy that this gets. I don't know why you link it, but like his orgasm of ridiculousness is the only thing that's on par. Well, I just mean like it's on par with Butt Boy in terms of like sexual obsession and how it manages to make a victim out of everyone around them, basically. And eventually leads to, well, you know, let's not get that far into it, but it, it's got a lot in common with Butt Boy. Like, if you break but down... I feel like the obsession addiction aspect of Butt Boy is 100% related to putting stuff up your butt. The alcoholism is his out, his crutch to lie about it. 
Where in this, I feel like this movie really is just creating an obscene, ridiculous way to discuss drug addiction. Because so much of it is identical. You're I was saying like, oh if, yeah, this is exactly what that looks like. I, st- <laughs> I still think it's the same movie. If there was a scene in this where Jerry went to like in a Narcotics Anonymous meeting for this, it would be the same movie. Like you can't really, like it's the same plot structure. So the friend passes out, right? Jerry fucks this box, passes out. They're banging on the door. Eventually, uh, Madame Zora and what was the security guard's name? The bodyguard guy. Russian guy. So Okay, so Russian guy comes up there and they're like, we got to carry him outside. And the friend's like, yeah, but his dick's out. And they're looking at him and he's like, aren't you going to put it away? It's what you guys get paid for, right? And he's like, I don't get paid to touch dicks. Again, 100%. I feel like even the, the drug that it's pointing at is heroin. The idea of like passing out without taking the needle out, passing out without taking your dick out. Why would you take your dick out before you passed out? You fall asleep with your dick inside of people? Sex boxes specifically? You're like, you got to take your dick out of your pants before you pass out. Anyway, no. the friend's also kind of caring at this part. He's like, oh, we have to get his jacket. It's cold out. And then they carry him out to the car. And Best conversation is in the car of the whole movie. When he's like talking about how awesome it was? No, no, no. The part where he goes, whoa, man, you had like a four-hour addiction. I had to hold your dick while putting you into the car. <laughs> Did you say addiction when you meant erection? Yep. Nice. <laughs> so then he gets home to his... What looks to be kind of an expensive house, I guess. Well, they're businessmen. He gets home and then Lisa, the wife, says, Jerry, I'm pregnant. And his immediate reaction is not <laughs> at all like, great. He's like, there's like 10 minutes set up between them. <laughs> he just walks in from the brothel. Jerry, I'm pregnant. Like that would have put it more on butt boy level. <laughs> and then he was like, but I thought my... Are you sure it's mine? And she doesn't even get offended at that question. Yeah, again, implying that she did cheat on him. Right? Like, if she didn't cheat on him, that should she should have been, like, really indignant at that question. But her reaction was just, like... Probably. <laughs> quiet, sort of offended. Yeah, like, like 90% sure. It's yours. <laughs> um, and then he goes to the office. Did you notice, like, how he went, like, full dick almost immediately? Like, not that he was, like nice to start with but he was at least kind of mousy when it started but then he like goes to the office and his secretary trudy's like good morning he's like yeah bitch is it or whatever he said like he's just every time he walks past her he's like more rude well because you told me to specifically look at things involving addiction one of those things with addiction is becoming more hostile and worse at communicating I, I just like overnight for this guy though like there's like i don't know if maybe it's like an accelerated timeline it's magic addiction because it's, you know, a magic fuck box. That's fair. <laughs> he's also like hungover. And he also, um, when he talks to his friend, and he walks in, he's like, we didn't drink that much. And he's like, you didn't. And he's like, oh, after you got home. Yeah, he's wearing like dark glasses, right? Yeah. Like, which <laughs> I don't know how that was expressed because it seemed like they just went to bed after they had the conversation about I'm having a baby and she had coffee for him. But he implies that he kept drinking. Well, that conversation implies that he kept drinking. So he dips out from work on his lunch break, right? Because he wants to go find Madame Zora, but he doesn't know where it is. So he goes to like a different psychic, right? And he's like rude to that woman. I think he like yeah, bribes all her. Psychics know where all psychics are, obviously. Yeah, Psychic Friends Network, like Latoya Jackson. 
Yeah. Well, he bribes her because she's like, oh, I don't have time for you right now. You're going to have to wait. And he's like, I'm on my lunch break. Just tell me where this chick is. And they were also just really mean to Madame Zora. Um, Because when he's like, who's the special? Dracula here? And he points to Madame Zora and she's like, you don't find me attractive. So then he somehow manages to find his way back to Madame Zora's, right? Yeah, somehow. And she says, come back later, we're closed. And I think he either barges in or pays her or both. I feel like a good montage could have existed there. They missed out. Yeah, this movie didn't have nearly actually any montages. That was had none montages. That would have been the perfect place for it. Him searching random psychics for the psychic during his hour-long lunch break. Like pantomiming fucking a box. Yeah. We don't hear it, we just see it. So that's when he examines the box, right? He gets in, he goes up to the box, looking in the hole, sticks his fingers in it, gets like some slimy liquid on it. Picks it up, puts it down. Although, so another they never really say anything's magic but it like it seemed like it was hard to get off the table but then once it was up it wasn't that heavy well she, i mean they do point out all the occult books later so it's not like directly related that it's magic but it's 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 strongly implied yeah but like is there magic holding it to the table cuz it was weird but also cuz like she said that the box chose him so is it like he's like is this is he king arthur that's a good question. Like how much how much of this is his own like psychosis and how much of it is just this magic like mystical pull that the box is exerting on him. Yeah. Because that was the reason she was like never bring Another thing that doesn't make sense is never bring him back here. The box wants him. He comes back. You look familiar. She was very adamant the night before. She must have been high at the time or something. Because she like, does, she's not like, no, not you, go away. She's like, okay, you can come in for a little bit. Do I know you from somewhere? You on TV? Like, <laughs> Any other classic horror movie, that woman would have been like, no, be gone, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Not this one. <laughs> you look familiar. I feel like you could do a really funny, fucked up horror movie. Where there's like a character like that who's like really integral to the plot and keeping people safe, but they have dementia. <laughs> and also they're the killer. <laughs> Stay away from here. Bad, evil things. And then later they're just falling them down a hallway with a knife. <laughs> I'll work on writing that. Maybe we can film it. Oh, that one, but not mine that I already forgot. Oh, I wrote it down. Uber I wrote Eats. it down. <laughs> I wrote Uber Eats Vampire. <sighs> So his jump to murder is really weird too. Yeah, it's like it's like zero to sixty. Because he's like doing some weird shit where he's trying to hide the box. Like she's gonna forget that she has this box. She's he's trying to like me. put it in his jacket or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then she comes in, he like covers it with the jacket, and like stands in front of it, like I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing here. And then, but like he like accidentally like smacks her in the face with the box somehow. Like was it an accident though? Yeah, because he's like freaking out for a second there. Before he decides that, you know what? I gotta step on her throat and kill her. He steps on her throat for a while, too. <laughs> it's not like a one and done. It's All his like, murders take a long time. He's really inefficient at it at the end of the day. No, I think what it tells you is that strangling people actually is hard. I've heard serial killers talk about that. It takes longer than you think. So this movie got that accurate. That's what that is. No, if he would have just stomped on her throat, it would have killed her faster than him crunching her slowly. But it's, it's, again, it's one of those things that shows, like, how strong his obsession and his addiction are. He's willing to kill to get to his little 
whole. Are you speaking? Yeah, I said he's willing to kill to get to his hole, and then, then that was the end of that statement. <laughs> Alright, so he kills Madame Zora, takes the box, and... Do you think that was maybe like a, a budget thing, that he killed her in like the weirdest, slowest way, where, like, do you think they they blew all their, like, costume budget on, like, the end? Yeah, this is a movie, I think, where you can very clearly... There's what effect. You can see exactly where the budget went on this movie. I feel like they honestly probably filmed it in one building too, because like every scene is just a tight room. Yeah. So after he kills Madame Zora, though, he uh, we we get a shot of Mike at the bar, and the jovial bartender is just like, "Oh, your friend's not here," and he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, he's out with the wife," because he lied to Mike and told him that he had reservations at some Chinese restaurant with his wife. He's begun lying to everyone at this point. Then there's a weird conversation where the guy's like, "Hey, oh, Mike, shouldn't you be home with your wife?" And he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, I'm not wired that way." Man's wired to spread his seed like farm equipment or something, which was. I just realized something really confusing with the plot line there. So he's out to lunch to bang this box. Mike is out at the bar at the same time. No, no, there's a little bit that happens before that because um, the thing with Mike, I guess I, I skipped around a little bit. But the thing before. Well, there's like a random part where Mike, fi- like, Mike doesn't ask him until after, but he's like, Where did you go for lunch yesterday? So they hadn't seen each other for the rest of the day after that? Apparently. That's what I mean. They like, don't do any work. They just sit in like their little cubicles. But they seem to always be stopping by each other's office. That's why I was weird. I was like, but before the Mike bartender scene, we have Jerry going for like an apartment search to find like an extra fuck pad for his box. Less of an apartment and more of like a, like a boarding room. By the day motel. Yeah. It was listed as an apartment on the flyer he was looking at, but it was totally like oh, okay. one of those places you rent for a day if you're playing like Fallout New Vegas or something. Like in the in the upper floor of the bar. Oh, okay. I was so <laughs> I actually thought you meant going somewhere just to play that game. I'm like, yo, you you have a weird obsession with that game. Like, it's okay, but I'm not gonna like sneak out of my house and go rent a room by the hour. Oh no, I, I always get an Airbnb when I want to play Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. All right. Um... <laughs> So he gets the he gets the room, the we'll call it an apartment just for the sake of uh discussion. He gets the apartment and then he like leaves the room and the housekeeper, just minding her own business, actually seems like kind of a nice lady for such a seedy place. Is like, did you want me to clean the room? And he's like, Don't fucking clean the room, don't touch the room, no towels, no nothing. Don't even go in the room if I'm not there. Don't go in the room when I am there. Don't go like he like spazzes out on this woman. And she's like, Alright, I won't clean it while you're in it. And then he's like, Don't fucking go in there she had already like said i'm not gonna go in there and <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like yeah but if i say it and curse it means so much more um so that was weird yeah because he really seems like he'd be a mild-mannered person and all of a sudden this box is making him just so aggressive but then is the scene with the wife where he decides to take some of the has he taken it out of the box yet no 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 you're skipping way ahead but it's fine i guess well, there's like there's like a montage. That's the closest it comes to a montage. Just different when shots. He's looking for bolt cutters of him masturbating. Yeah, he wants to buy bolt cutters. Which for some reason the guy sells him used bolt cutters, which I thought was kind of weird because like my favorite part is the part he gets in the building. Can I help you find something? Nah, I'm good. Two seconds later, you looking for some? Yeah, uh, I don't know what it's called. The things that you cut bolts with. <laughs> I mean, not. Not going to lie, there is a weird thing where if like a guy goes into a hardware store and doesn't know exactly what he's looking for, you feel kind of like an idiot for asking. 
I don't. I don't know. I've like I can. It's the thing. Is that some bravado that you have that I'm I'm unaware of? I don't know. I just always feel uncomfortable because like I know exactly. I can picture what I want. I know what I want it to do, but like I have no idea what it's called. I guess I yeah, I have the same problem with somebody with like exercises too. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> like, what's the thing that makes my butt big? Squats. Uh, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> But you just go into a, like a into like a gym and you just like start like looking at people's asses and you're like, "How do I make my butt look like your butt?" <laughs> can, I, can I help you? Yeah. Uh, what's the thing you do to uh, make your butt look like that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then, yeah, there's like a couple scenes of him masturbating. He gets the bolt cutters, and is this when he takes it out of the box? Like, is that before sex with the wife? <sighs> I don't remember because he definitely touches the goop before taking it out. You know what? I think it is because he gets the goop. He puts it in like a little vial to bring home. See, I didn't notice that part because how I, I must have missed something because this movie has some weird moments where it just like cuts the things. In my mind, it was like a weird transition where he touched the goop, put it on his dick, and then his wife was coming upstairs. And I was like, what the fuck? No, no, he, first he puts the goop on his dick in the apartment he like touches i guess he finishes fucking it he finishes fucking the thing the ball i guess we'll call it and um then we find out that it has magic goo and that's what makes it feel so well because he has the idea he's like oh it's kind of slimy what if i and he grabs some of it and rubs it on his dick and then he's just off to never never land man he's like oh right away and it's like didn't you just ejaculate didn't you just ejaculate don't even need the box but then the next shot is him like putting it in like a little travel like shampoo container that you might like bring on an airplane and um, he brings that home, and then he like goes upstairs to masturbate with it, and his wife walks in on him. This is the part that I wanted to talk about, because this is, he, he comes in first, and his wife is definitely like, you're fucking around on me, and she's like, mad at him. And like, their relationship is bad. It's been bad. You can tell they don't have a good marriage. And this is what threw me off, because, and this is why I wanted to talk about because they have a shit marriage. They had a shit conversation. He goes up to jerk off, and she's like, what are you doing, sexy? And it's like, where did that come from? Her demeanor is 100% different than she's been the entire other movie because he's jerking off by himself. And he's like, oh, I got a surprise for you. And then they have, like, weird sex. Actually, it's, like, super normal sex until she's like, hey, slow down, slow down. And then she kind of dies inside while he just uses her. To finish it later, he's convinced that somehow she loved it and it was because of the goop, but it's because yeah. he was so focused on what he was doing. Yeah, you really you you had a thing about um, representation of sex workers in this movie, and like the box and the goop and like the way he treats himself, it's all implying that like women are objects for men to fulfill their own needs in in this movie. So I don't know if this movie was meant to have like. Like a like a hidden meaning for that, or like a meaning for that, but it's there. I wouldn't even call least. it a hidden meaning. I mean, later he—it's not hidden. No, I don't know why I said hidden, but I don't know if the movie meant for that to be there. No, he flat out—he flat out says to Russian bouncer guy later, like, "Well, I mean, what does it really matter what the woman wants anyway? It's all for the guy, right?" Yeah, no, I'm I know because I wrote that down because he offers the—he's like, "You could just put the goo inside the girls; they love it, and then you know it'll make the guys happy." And I mean, what does it even matter? It's just for the guys anyway. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, like his friend's also a womanizer too, and he doesn't get any comeuppance. So it's kind of just like this movie had a message that like... As far as karma goes, I don't actually 100% know if that actually counts as karma. 
Well, this movie had a had a theme that was sort of like men are assholes and we don't know how to fix it at the end. That was like my my takeaway from it. But say so he has sex with the wife and then she's like into it at first and then he's just like, no, shut your face. I'm going to do this my way. And then well, I wonder if they were implying like when she was saying slow down, if they were just like, we don't want to make it rape. So instead of saying having her say stop a bunch of times and him ignoring her, what if we say slow down? But then the rest of it was filmed exactly like it would have been a rape. Like she could have easily said no stop and him just kept going and it'd been the same scene. Yeah, it's almost like they specifically avoided that. But that actually seemed like the direction it, it should have gone with the way he was behaving. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Human Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now but then we get the introduction of the detective and i can't remember his name but he because he's he doesn't matter. Well, he's showing up to investigate the murder of Madame Zora, given the uh, Russian bouncer guy is sort of the third degree. And he's like, you know what this building smells like? Cigarettes and pussy or whatever. He's like, it's. He says a bunch of other yeah. things. He says like <laughs> candles and like a bunch of things that you wouldn't imply were sex shop stuff. And then he goes and pussy. <laughs> like just in case you didn't know where I was going with this pussy. Yeah. Then he implies. I don't know. If he was implying that the bouncer he thought was the suspect, or if he knew that the bouncer was like a gangster and going to go take care of it himself or something. It kind of went back and forth. It almost sounded like he was accusing him of being the killer, but at the same time, like he liked Madame Zora. There was no, but uh, so I think it, it was a little muddled there what they were actually trying to convey. To be perfectly honest, the detective thing never needed to even be there. Like it never. It could have easily just been like he never called the cops. Like, why did that guy call the cops? He must have called the cops because the woman was found dead. And then this guy was following up on it later. Like, you know, he literally refused to answer any questions beyond that. He probably wanted her to have a proper burial. You know, he didn't kill her. So there's no reason for her to not just be like legally dead and like buried properly. I guess. I got the impression that she raised him kind of because he says, "I've, I've been with Madam always. So I got the impression that they actually had like a like a deeper connection. They probably came over together from whatever Eastern European country they were in. I think he had a genuine affection for her and was like sad when she died. And that's why later he's like, you know, no tears shed over this other douchebag. But then we get the uh, the rash. And I love this part. Do you remember this? Uh, where the wife is like, I had a miscarriage. And then he's like, well, I don't have VE, which... Is VE, I've never heard VE used. It's VD. Yeah, but that's not what he said. Yeah, VE is like Victory Europe Day. Yeah. (laughs) And then he's like, it's not that, it's like a cold. And she's like, all right, whatever. And then he goes to the doctor about the rash. His reaction to her saying she thinks she miscarried too is like, bitch, I said I'm sick. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then she's like really upset and he's like, I know how to fix this. And he's like, 
we'll try again. And she's like, really? And he's like, yeah. She, like she has, she's almost a non-person in this movie. Like she literally just reacts. She's just there to let everybody know he has a bad marriage. Yeah, pretty much. Cause there's nothing consistent about her character and she doesn't actually like do anything on her own. Everything only involves her conversations with him. But again, I mean, as far as like addiction and things with the relationships go, like distancing and then the lying and then all of the way he treats his wife is very, that's, that's right. Common but addiction we, symptoms. we could have had other scenes from that movie that didn't involve her and him or her calling the friend Mike. Like we could have had a scene where I, she, she didn't need to be in it at all. The scene where she calls Mike didn't need to be in there at all. I think that I don't even understand the purpose of that. Was that just so that he could come in and be like, oh, just because you would have fucked my wife doesn't mean you should talk to her. That's it. That's the end of that. That was it. The only reason there was so we could see him turning on his supposedly best friend, even though- He was already giving that guy shit, though. Yeah, I think, well, they were just trying to show him getting to a breaking point or something. But like most of the characters, really, you could have just had this be like a one-man show where this dude fucks this box. He steals it and fucks this box, and that's the movie. Like Kills strangers and yeah. So he goes to the doctor and the doctor asks some great questions. The doctor's like, are you having sex more than usual? And he's like, no, I don't think so. He's just got like this rash. It's like all the way up in the stomach. And he's like, have you been masturbating? Have you been masturbating more than usual? And he's like, no, not really. And the guy says, whatever you and your penis are doing, do it less often. So what was even funnier is at first I didn't even realize it was a rash the first time I went through it at this part. I thought it was bruising because he's fucking a box. And <laughs> where the bruises are would be the top corner of the box. That actually makes perfect where the sense. Is. Then it would make sense for why the doctor's like, calm down, whatever you're doing down there. <laughs> oh, God. Um, we should do like a top 10 things you'd fuck, like inanimate objects. No. <laughs> that has nothing to even do with movies. You're just asking me what top 10 inanimate objects are. It has to do with fun. movies. American Pie. This thing. Other movies where people fuck stuff, dead bodies count as inanimate objects. All right, so he leaves the doctor. <laughs> and he has a giant tube ointment. Um, oh, yeah, because he goes to the pharmacy, too, and the woman's like, do you want me to tell you how to use it? And he's like, I just rub it on my dick, right? Yeah, he, he continues to get more and more crass throughout it, too. Like, it was just like, at one point, it's just like irritableness. Like, he's like a fine guy, and then just something, and he's like, ah. And now it's just like constant. He's just always a dickhead. But, oh, isn't there, there's a scene too where it looks sort of like the thing is drying up a little bit, right? He's like checking it like this isn't quite as the the ball. He's like, this isn't quite as like moisturized as I remember it being. Well, this is, that's like near the end. It's like a Tamagotchi he didn't take care of. Well, yeah, because all he's doing is feeding it dick. <laughs> and I don't think it was supposed to come out of the box. He took it out of the box. It's like dehydrating. The box was at home. I don't remember there being a feed dick option in my Tamagotchi. <laughs> I don't know. I beat all mine. Did yours have that? <laughs> I just told you how I took care of mine. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's an option to hit it. So he gets he kills his wife before that happens. I was, let's go to I was gonna say, let's go to the part where Lisa gets to the apartment. So Lisa shows up at this place because she looked on her credit card statement because when he was in a hurry, he didn't have enough money. He paid for the apartment on his credit card. So she worked back. She knew that was coming back because he was like, uh, just do it. She goes to the apartment and she like bangs on the door and she's like, open the door. I Wait, wait, wait. How about the fact that the the cleaning lady must not like him because she looked at that lady and somehow knew. 
So she walks by and bangs on his door, and he's like, I said no fucking cleaning! <laughs> and then his wife's like, Jerry? Yeah, she set him up. I mean, she had every reason not to like him. but No, she set him up. That's when Lisa demands to come in, and Jerry's just like, no, I'm. I, give me a minute. Give me a minute. I'm busy. I, I just need, I need a minute to get ready, because he's probably naked and sweaty. He opens the door, she goes in, and then she says like some of the weirdest shit that I think a woman can say in this circumstance. She goes, oh my God, what is that smell? It stinks in here. Is that her? <laughs> it's like, what do you... <laughs> That's what she smells like down there. Yeah. She doesn't take good care of it. It's never cleaned. But then she like walks around and that's when she looks in the bathtub and sees like the little like gelatinous orb is just sitting in the bathtub. What really throws me off is his immediate reaction to just murder her. Yeah, his immediate reaction is, I'm going to strangle you till you're No, dead. it's not what it looks like. It's not, just runs up behind her, and puts her in a rear naked choke, winds up on the floor at some point. And that's another really long strangulation scene. Well, that's when he, he climbs in the tub, right? And he holds the orb in his like lap and he's like wiping it and petting it going like, you're okay, right? You're okay. This is when he gives it its first kiss, isn't it? And then he's like sitting there staring at the dead wife the whole time. And she's like staring back at him with open eyes. And then all of a sudden she's not dead. She. Wait, what? Do you remember this? No, I don't remember that. How did you watch it twice and miss this? I didn't get that far the second time. He's sitting there holding the orb, holding hands with the wife with the other hand. And she's like staring at him, eyes open, eyes glazed, dead. And then all of a sudden she's like, <gasps> and he's like, what the hell? So he like gets up real quick and like grabs the bolt cutters and like jams them into her face and like kills her. Oh my God. I got to rewatch that part. They were like, no, this wasn't violent enough. We need him to slash or murder, kill this woman. I just thought he like straight strangled her. All right. All right. Then he starts touching the wife's breasts a little bit before he does the bolt cutter thing. Like he was kind of into her dead body more than he was into her living body. I'm not sure what the plan was there. He was trying to get one of them threesomes on with the dead body and his weird sex orb. Because I wrote necrophilia now? Question mark. Not dead. Lol. Never mind. Lol. (laughs) He could have just rubbed the goop inside and it would have been like fucking his wife and his toy at the same time. But then he gets back to his house and I think that's when the snowblower guy comes because she was going to get him a snowblower for his birthday. That was the whole source of the text messages she was never cheating on him she was texting with a snowblower salesman to make sure she got like the best model for jerry for his birthday and the guy be fair who does that nobody does that but this movie wasn't exactly like logical but the guy shows up and he's like wants to give him a tutorial on the snowblower and the guy's like look look i didn't even want the goddamn thing you can skip the whole salesman pitch okay but will this snowblower yeah is it blowing me uh no it was just, every every interaction was like so awkward. Yeah. So then his fr- doesn't he brings like the wife's body back to the house, doesn't he? Yeah, because he's got to do something with it. Like I don't know how he got it out of the boarding house he was in, or like out to oh, the. They car. wanted him to, so I'm sure they have like some kind of like. Would he wrap it in a carpet or something? Yeah, 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 sure. Oh yeah, when he gets there in the first place, the first thing the guy says to him is, "When you're done, take the body with you." So it's actually kind of like on point with that. When you get a chance, IMDB this. The dude who plays Mike has an amazing mullet in his picture. And I've seen him with the mullet. All right, cool. All right, so. So then that's when Mike comes to the house to like check on everybody. And then he murders Mike too, right? How does he kill Mike? Because I don't remember. Plastic bag, man. Fucking uh, manhunt style. 
oh yeah, he kills him with a plastic bag, which is kind of interesting because he made the other guy wear a plastic bag in the car in the first place. Yeah. A little bit of book ending there. But then the guy gets like super weird about it because he kills the friend and then rushes back to the little goo ball. And he's like, he didn't hurt you, did he, baby? Well, actually, it's even better because the friend totally knows. And the friend's like, cool. He's like, ah, you killed that lady. But that Russian dude, he'll, he'll help you out. And he's like, nah, that's, of course he would say that. And he's like, he says something about killing his wife. And Mike's like, wait, what? And that's when he strangles him. Because Mike saw the Russian guy on the news saying like, I know who did this. I can help you if you come to see me. I know what you're going through. And then he went yeah. to tell the guy that. Because at this point, Jerry's rash is like everywhere. It's like up on his neck and shit. Yeah. But after he kills Mike and like coddles the ball, it gets even weirder because he gives it this like really special kiss. And then he goes, you feeling okay? To the little ball. Like he expected it to answer. This is what it melts. Not yet. Not yet. Because the next thing that happens is that great moment where it's like all the people show up for the surprise party. <laughs> which was just a great twist. They're like, hey, Jerry, we're here for your birthday party. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And they're like, well. That, even though the whole thing with his wife revolved around her getting him a snowblower for her birthday, I forgot that was even a part of it. I was like, it's his birthday? Yeah, I forgot that too, because it's such a minor <laughs> plot point. And they show up there, and they were like assholes about it too, because he was like, we're really sick right now. And they're like, well, obviously not that sick if your wife didn't call us to cancel, so open up. Those people should have just taken all the food and wine that they had and gone and had a nice picnic in the park somewhere. Like, fuck this guy, you know? <laughs> it's wintertime, remember? They specifically have to say that when he's like, oh, can't forget his coat. It's winter. Then after that, it's dying because I wrote, it's dying. And I drew a little face with a frowny face and like tears. It's dead. And it turns into just like a black puddle eventually, right? Sort mm. of like almost like it's a floppy little like rubber pancake, I guess. Yeah. And now he finally goes back to the Russian guy in a full panic. Yeah, he's in full panic mode. He's like reached the bottom of the barrel here he's just like I, I can't, can you help me it's dead i don't know what to do and then you could fix it and then i could be with it again which was probably my favorite line of the movie russian guy's like no worries man i'll take care of you you wait here i'm gonna go fix it and then he offers like a business deal remember yeah yeah he was like telling him about how it would be good for women too and maybe we could be partners on that i don't know we could be partners that'd be good the guy's like yeah maybe I just miss it so much. <laughs> and then what happens? Then he's upstairs in the room, locked in there, becoming progressively worse looking. And the Russian guy is in the wood shop again, carving up a new box. And it keeps going back and forth between wood shop time and the room. And the Russian guy even finishes the box and then like sits down to have a drink for a while while he waits for Jerry to finish his transformation. And Jerry's just getting really cracked out. This is where the whole budget of the movie went because Jerry's like covered in goo at this point and getting really like, looks like kind of something from Creepshow 1 actually. Also, you want to hear a real quick surprise? This was filmed in York, Pennsylvania. Okay, so it is cold, but I don't think it was filmed at a cold time of year. And its other title is Dies Est Kein Liebers Gast. I don't know German words. Right? So yeah, he's gooping up. <laughs> <laughs> the entire budget of the film is on this. And then eventually, the Russian bouncer guy comes back into the room and grabs the guy's head with his like giant meat hook hands and then slowly detaches his head from the body. And there's actually some pretty cool like ripping effects going on here as far as like the flesh and 
uh, muscular structure is concerned. Like it was, it was actually real, real gross. decent effects wise though. That's because they put everything on this. We forgot to mention during the transformation scene, the guy's hair is falling out and his teeth are also falling out, which is kind of a key point. Well, that was something that they kept like bringing mention to throughout because he kept grabbing at his teeth the whole time. I thought he was going to lose them sooner. Like he never actually pulled any out. He just kept poking them. So eventually the guy rips the head off, drops it in the new box, locks it shut. And then I didn't get the end scene with the detective. I thought that was stupid. Super unnecessary. It would have been better if there was none of that and it was just he's in the box now and credits. Yeah, and like maybe a view of looking out from within the box, but we don't need to see the detective looking in. Or what I thought was originally going to happen, and it would have been just good too, was someone being like, oh yeah, I got the special, and then like someone enters the room and then leaves. Yep, just like some random person going there for fun. You killed all these people for this, and now you're going to get a dick in the mouth, or whatever it goes into, because his didn't have a mouth. But yeah, it comes back with the detective at the end, and he's like, oh prostitutes i knew it are you gonna arrest me and the cops like nah i don't know (laughs) and then the russian guy's like what if i let you fuck this box instead for free you do a little box fucking everyone does it it's fun so first things what did you think of it (laughs) i think it had a fun concept but again i think it could have been done much better like you can take dumb concepts like this and actually turn them into good movies because like it's not like the concept of a movie or like the basic you know plot point that makes it good it's the structure of it and like how it's done that makes it good so there was definitely a way to make this like an oscar caliber movie about a guy fucking a box but it seems like this movie focused too much on the concept because even like like i said honestly you could have taken out everything with the box just made this movie about heroin and a man and literally kept almost everything the same. Him going to the dealer and like killing a lady there. Like almost everything could have been identical and just been a drug movie. They didn't need to make this really weird, convoluted. Well, I like the weird aspect of it. I just didn't like the fact that nothing else was developed. Like there's no, it's, it's only his relationship with the box that's developed, but we don't get to see. Yeah, his relationship with his wife is so confusing because it's strained and they like, they sort. They want to talk about it. It seems, and they're just like, "Nah, you know what? Forget it. We don't need to." Even him as with his friend, like they could have had like a much more expansive shot of like his job and what he did, and had them maybe like open up at a meeting where the guy's kind of getting chewed out by his boss, or even just like you could have just given the friend more. Like that's also his best friend that he's known his whole life. I think they say at some point in there, sort of. But like that, this is his best friend. Like his wife's like, "Oh, that's your old best friend." He's annoying and crap, and like, but like. When he starts to change, he's just like, meh. Like his friend just like doesn't care. Like that's not realistic. No, it's not. And everything was just everything was very stock. Everybody was and like, you would think even with the fact that it's his fault, the friend's fault, you would think that they would have played more into that, like a guilt aspect or something. Or he could have like empathized with him, and been like, "Hey, I fucked the box too," and like, I understand. I understand what you're going through. Here's how I dealt with it. But everything is just a very like stock character type. They don't flesh anything out, which is weird. They're not even stock characters. They're like less than that. No, they're, they're like, just like, this is a guy that's here. They're very like two dimensional or one dimensional, really. Most of the cast could have just been extras. Yeah. <laughs> so you wouldn't, you wouldn't genre classification. What do you put it in? I put it in a romantic thriller. I actually just consider this to be a straight drama. Okay. I also created a new genre. 
called Mike's Fucked Up Recommendations. <laughs> That's a genre of film now. Oh, man, I can't wait till you watch next week's movie then. <laughs> and so the one thing, though, that I, I feel like you you saw differently than I did, because you're like, haha, you did all these terrible things, and now you're getting dicks in your mouth. That's karma. I don't think it is karma. Because because of the way that I was viewing this was like he's got an addiction. All the things he was done were results of addiction, and that's a disease that causes you to not think about any of your actions because you're you're so focused on feeding this thing. And it was clearly affecting him physically. He was going through like physical pain the whole time while still trying to get his fixed, and then he winds up in the box. Essentially, it's it's the same story that you get with most like sex worker stories where their addiction leads them into sex work. That's what happened to him. You're missing what I'm saying. It's karma for though. I know it's for murder. No, it, I'm saying in, in terms of what you were talking about earlier in terms of uh, it being like very male centric and, and not acknowledging the needs of the woman, he's treating his wife as like a hole to fuck. And then basically that's what he becomes at the end. So, okay. No, you're right there. That was, I keep forgetting. I forgot that was like the underlying plot by that point. Cause I was so focused on the fact that this was like really just a metaphor for drugs, but you're not, you're right. Like the, the male ego in this is horrible. And like, we brought that up before, like the box is literally just to represent how sex workers are just a hole for dudes that just want to like pop in and get out. Yeah. The, that's actually a really good point. Like the box doesn't have any personality. It literally just serves that one, that one function. And that's the main go-to one at that place. Like it's, they'd rather go to something that's not going to talk back to them Mm -hmm. than go with a real person that might. Yeah. So, I mean, on that level, like this movie had a potential, I think to be deeper, but it doesn't go there. Like we could have, it's almost like they ran out of time while writing the story. We don't have a single scene with any of the sex workers or Madame Zora or like, her Russian guy, and they clearly have like some type of a family, albeit you know not standard, but like a non-traditional family unit that they function as, or at least like like at least the Madame Zora and the Russian dude, where the girls could have easily just been part of human trafficking. Yeah, the Madame Zora and the dude thing definitely has a backstory that like just never gets touched on. But they don't humanize anybody in this. They don't even humanize Jerry really. Everybody's just kind of like there. No, he's just the guy that fucks the box and gets all goopy. But also, I mean, I don't want to get into like a huge debate of of this, but I, I also don't think addiction is 100% a disease because then you take out any sense of accountability for it. And at the end of the day, people do make decisions. It's true. But I mean, I'm just saying. I was more thinking about it in the regards of uh, maybe taking out some of the horrible, horrible things that he did and that essentially his addiction led him into sex work, which is something that happens a lot with sex workers. They they didn't need to even have him kill anybody. If they would have just that scene that you were talking about where the wife says slow down, if they would have had him rape the wife, that would have been his point of no return right there. They didn't need all the other murder shit. It was weird that they tri- like that's what he did, but they just were like she didn't say stop. She said slow. But then like she just like her eyes glaze over and she just lays there for the rest of it and like hmm I know what you're going for. You just you just tried to not say it and then even later she says he treated me like a one-night stand not he raped me not he like it's it's not he just treated me like a hole which is what he did yeah it's he disrespected me as a woman they convey that point but they don't really like there it seems like they were 
hesitant to go deeper than that and make him worse, but like they have him killing everybody. So I don't understand what they're trying to preserve about this character. That's what's weird. They make it a movie where it's totally about like these horrible, like sex related crimes and murder, but let's steer clear of full blown rape. Yeah. I I get the impression that they were almost trying to make him redeemable somehow, but I don't see how that it could be. I think, it, I think that falls into like the idea that I was trying to like convey where that he's like a victim somehow. Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. It's a movie that like its points are definitely muddled. And I'd be curious to see what the writer is so hard to like pinpoint whether or not he deserved it or not is because honestly, the plot is so everywhere. So I, I mean, I'm going to give it a one and a half beards just because I think it could have been done. And I'm not even talking about the director of the cinematography, which wasn't great. But at the end of the day, if it was a great plot, I wouldn't have cared about that so much. I really wanted to mess with you and give it four, but I can't do that. I'll probably about the same. Because it, it had potential. It just didn't it didn't really go anywhere with it. But I mean, there's definitely no other movie I can point to where it's like, yeah, it's a movie about a guy fucking a box. Yeah, I really feel like they could have added a moral to it. Like, I feel like I added a moral to it that's not in it. And I think that's one of the things that I gave more points to it for. But talking about it, yeah, I, I don't really see that anymore. Yeah, it's a weird. It's a movie that you don't tend to watch with people. I think the reason that I went the route that I went with my idea on 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 him being the victim in the end is because so much of the movie is forgettable after it happens that unless you talk to somebody about it, you're like, no, he was a horrible person. There was nothing good about him. But like easily could have just forgot about that scene with his wife and just been like, sucks to be this guy. I can't believe the murders. Like the... you forget about the murder yeah. part of the way through. <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't. Talking about, uh, yeah, that part I did forget. Yeah. But I meant like the part where like the sex scene, because I was like. Specifically, I was like, this is the probably the most fucked up and probably the most story in this whole movie <laughs> is this scene. Cause, but it was just confusing because the wife was literally like, fuck you, dude. He goes to bed. She comes upstairs with a glass of wine like, well, fuck. <laughs> I didn't understand the change. <sighs> so follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bearded B-Roll and find us anywhere you find podcasts. Check out our website, beardedbroll.com, for info and links to merch. And remember to email us with ideas and suggestions at beardedbroll at gmail.com. And check out, check our, out Discord. our Discord. Nice. <laughs> and remember, it's what's in the box, not put your dick in the box. Yeah, can we moralize this somehow? No. I tried to give it a moral. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Look for the person inside the box. No, that's weird, too. No, he loved it for what it was. See, that's weird. That's like a moment he was a human. He loved the blob. I don't think loving heroin necessarily makes you human, though. Nah, it doesn't. It's terrible. He loved the blob for what it gave him. That's true, too. I mean, what is love other than just one's connection to someone for selfish means anyway? Um, That's really... <laughs>